Welcome to the Dan and Kimberly podcast. Right. <laughs> Maybe we should record a podcast instead of pre-doing a podcast and then me not having any like energy or enthusiasm for our topic left you know maybe right? be wise i know if we map it out too much then we're like wait did we talk about this on air or did we talk about this beforehand Can well and it's one of those things like uh, who was it john maxwell or something i think i've said this before this is even before i say my name you don't know who this is dear listener but i'm gonna give you an anecdote uh where he's saying how like he got to a certain point in his marriage where this is the super condensed version but like he stopped telling everyone during the day all the cool stuff that was happening so that he could save it all up and go home and then tell his wife mm. and be like, and it's like the first telling, right? It's like, it's like a secret. So there's like passion and energy and like all this stuff to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really like energized and fired them up. And so I keep that in mind. It's like this life lesson that I actually find like really impactful. Cause, cause I do have that feeling sometimes like if I'm like updating my mom on what I'm up to and then updating my dad on what I'm up to and updating my brother what I'm up to, by the time I get to my brother, I'm like, Oh no, man, I'm working. And it's like a thing doing the things whereas like with mom it's like i'm doing tarot stuff do it up there was a podcast it was amazing <laughs> right but then i like peter out mm-hmm. um and i've been trying to keep that in mind when like you're creating something especially like an open form like this where uh i like bringing some like my energy to it because mm-hmm. that seems like a worthy thing to like catch on tape um but then i get so excited talking to you before i hit record that that I like, I, I I may lose some of this. So I'm here. Hi, I'm Dan Fay. I'm Kimberly Joy, and, and I'm here too. At a recording podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have an anecdote to start with. But today we're going to talk about a few things. We're going to talk about the drama triangle and kind of what that looks like. It's this pattern that we keep doing over and over again as humans. And we're going to talk about how that transitions into a more useful model where you can control it. And then how that all kind of fits in with them. Um, that I just want my kids to be happy idea as if that's or I crazy. just want to be happy. Right. I want to be happy, but first world countries, we got to put that on a, on a pedestal. Yeah. Well, and like, I'm not even, first of all, the regular uh, disclaimer, I'm not actually throwing shade on any of this because as a warrior that loves to dwell on a million things and then curl up in a ball <laughs> on Saturday and be sad sometimes. Um, <laughs> on occasion. Some, sometimes I think like, man, I would love to just be happy and calm and just, you know, have an, have an awesomely just happy and awesome life. Um, and then, like, the more I think about that, the more I can't, like, put any tangible qualities to that. Like, I don't even know what the first step to that would be. Uh, that said, I do, I used to, I still think it sometimes, but I used to think it a lot. Like, mm-hmm. the missing thing in my life was that I didn't have, I was missing that happiness. <sighs> that happiness got drained out of my life if i could only be happy then you know i would want to get up in the morning or whatever that turned out not to be true like i really enjoy getting up in the morning and doing cool stuff now but that's because i reconstructed my life in a way where it was actually cool and meaningful but not necessarily and, happy and not because i'm happy like i don't get up happy i just like i get up with something meaningful to do it's different i don't know anyway we'll get there so that's going to be the bookend at the end your listeners, so stay tuned to learn how you too can be happy. <laughs> that was you're gonna have to work on your salesmanship skills because <laughs> that was not very promising. You know what? how happiness is an illusion and how maybe there's a pursuit that's higher or can have um more reliable results, maybe? That's not a hook. We're you just need to, you need to lie in your hook. Oh, sorry. I'm horrible. I'm shit at lying. Yeah. You were, you were telling what they were actually going to learn. <laughs> okay, my bad. My bad. It's going to be perfect. Just stay with us. <laughs> nice. Good <Okay>. save. <laughs> <clears throat> so, the drama triangle. <laughs> so, humans, the same way Dan just, like, illustrated that his brain wanted to reduce his all of life's problems to this one thing. I just had this one ingredient. Absolutely. Like so many movies are based on that, right? If we just get to this place, if we just have this thing, if we just acquire this relationship, it's always just the one thing, the one ring to bind them all. And that's very reductionistic. That's what our brains like to do. And if you look at stories in humanity, we tend to 
and we might come up with a better pattern later, but for now, in the 1960s, some guy named Carp, Carpman, who I'm sure was amazing, but I don't know much about him in particular, but I do know the drama triangle. He had a dramatic effect. Yeah. <laughs> or a dramatic observation. Yeah. He, he recorded something very dramatic. Yeah. And so humans, we like to reduce it down to something like, oh, I'm a victim in this relationship. I'm a victim in this situation. Oh, so horrible. Let me, let me show you all the evidence. Or I'm a hero. Look at me. I came in and I saved the day. And that guy over there, he's a villain. So those would be the three corners of how we like to reduce life to. We're either victims, villains, or heroes. And we like to see other people. We like to kind of sort people in our brains. That's somebody who's a hero to me. That's somebody who's a victim to me. I'm above them. That's, you know, we, we like to sort things. We like to label them because then we don't have to worry. And so if you go back problem. to our um, our podcast on bias, <laughs> uh, it becomes more clear that that's very, very easy to do. And, and that and that we are wired to cat- categorize and sort and do all those things. So if you if you kind of buy into those patterns, if you were taught mm-hmm. them, that like, you know, your parents come home and they're like, my boss is a jerk. And, you know, he's the reason why, you know, we're never going to get that car. We're never going to have a vacation or mm-hmm. we're never going to do these things. Then you're like, sorry, oh, Jimmy, you can't get the game console you want this year because such right. and so at work spent the bonuses and blah, 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 blah. And, ah, there are bad people that are in your way in the world, you know? <laughs> Mm-hmm. they're just out to get you and, and we're hard done by <laughs> um, and there's really nothing we can do because like it's not like you could leave that job and go get a new one like circumstantially that'd be a very very scary thing to do to be fair right. mm-hmm. um, so then you just sort into those patterns right, right. Um, and they're good for us patterns are good for us it helps us yeah. free up brain space to do things like i don't know go to the moon and, you know, create new games and, you know, whatever it is that we do. Humans are always doing new things. Mm-hmm. So these patterns are useful, but also recognizing the pattern and being able to think outside of them as well. It's also useful. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's how they be. <laughs> that's how they be. Yeah. <clears throat> this particular um, model has been one of the more prevalently useful ones in my life because I continually see myself wanting to sort myself the same way. Mm. I tend to want to be the hero in the situation. Oh, that person over there, I could help them. I could save them. And then I, you know, do things that maybe they don't even want me to do. Or if something bad happens, my brain automatically wants to go, oh, poor you. So sad. Interesting. Even though, even though I know that there is something outside of the drama triangle. Because for me, I sit where, like, okay, in the popularized media, I sit mm-hmm. where the majority of, like, people seem to sit, which is, mm-hmm. like, the world is not going the way I want, and it's basically insurmountable, and I wish it would change. <laughs> You're the victim to the whole world. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and that comes with, like, uh early on in life not really having like all that many friends and not fitting in all that much and not having all that like social collateral that everyone mm-hmm. else seemed to have um and so it was like wow i guess i'm just an outcast interesting which is which is an outcastism mm-hmm. is, is a way of feeling like a victim mm-hmm. um and so um there can be this thing with people that are more like withdrawn and introverted um, where like there is a percentage of us that feel like literal outcasts, like mm-hmm. like we're the ones sitting at the table that doesn't have, which is okay. And see, that's garbage. Not you, dear listener, who is thinking that right now. You be you. <laughs> um, the weird thing for me is like growing up, I wasn't sitting at the lunchroom tables alone. Yeah, I'm having a hard time picturing that. Um, oh well, I wasn't like this. If I was like this, I would have been super popular in high school. Um, <laughs> But I, there was like, there was a rat pack of nerds. We played uh-huh. D&D and we were the ones that played video games and we were the ones that played card at, cards at lunch. Um, and yet, okay, and this is the pervasive thing. So this is, this is where my point lies and where it gets kind of important. Um, I was very well supported in life and yet mm-hmm. I convinced myself that I was a victim. 
the entire time. So like, oh, I'm just an outcast. And I don't have any friends. And I, you know, don't have a girlfriend. And no one will date me. And so lonely and sad. And school's stupid. World's stupid. Everything's stupid. Don't worry. I would have come and tried to save you if we had known each other in high school. <laughs> right. <laughs> Even though I wasn't popular either. I just like assumed popularity by... Being the most aggressive nerd possible and beating up people who picked on my friends. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> so um, if you slow down and look at your life and look at how your brain wants to sort things, you might start seeing this pattern a lot in yourself. And it is, it's interesting to see. And then also it can feel very, I don't know, confining. Like, why does my brain keep doing this? Hmm. And in 2009, I believe, somebody did a TED Talk and which we can like. Yeah, it was in yeah, 2009 the power of Ted. He recommends the victim adult and a, a, adopt adult huh, uh, alternative roles. So instead of seeing yourself as a victim that the world is happening to, you can go, "Wait a minute. Maybe I'm not a victim. Maybe I'm something else." And so he offered a he called it the empowerment triangle. But that's the that's the common way I've heard it. I'm not sure if he called it that in the TED talk, but we'll link it. Um, uh, he didn't use the word triangle. What did he use? The word dynamic. Dynamic empowerment. Empowerment dynamic. dynamic. Very good. Um, which is weird because that's quite literally never how I'm taught it. Ah. Um, but that's the thing about like humans and simplifying. As long as you learn the lesson, it doesn't really matter. He probably cares, right? Um, because it wouldn't be Ted, right? (laughs) It'd be be, uh, Tet, which you probably, which you probably wouldn't. Like, um, but like, uh, yeah, because I think there's a nice mirroring by saying like drama triangle, empowerment triangle. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, like easy to help people transition. Um, but uh, if we're being very, accurate. very factual and accurate, mm-hmm. then uh, it's it's a dynamic. Yeah, and I actually don't know much about the original creators of these models. They were just taught to me, and I found them very useful. So for me, you can explain how it's how it switched for you since you set, tend to land in the, the victim corner the most. For me, because I painted myself as the hero, I was always overextending myself. I was helping people that maybe didn't want my help. Like, fuck off. Why are you trying to fix this for me? Trying to force what I thought would help them in their direction. And the empowerment triangle takes the hero and it makes it not a hero and says there is no hero. But you can be a coach which means you have to walk beside somebody. You can't force them to take anything. You can only encourage or guide or help and even asking for help. Like nobody's going to come along and coach me how to be a linebacker without me asking. Like I would have to, and I would have to be bigger, but coaches are usually somebody that's requested. They don't come in with a cape and a tiara and save the day. Right. So for me, it helped me to step back and go, okay, Maybe I should ask if they want help. Maybe that's not my place. And also to extend respect and trust to other people that they got, they got their shit together where they want it. They'll ask, who do I think I am that I can come in and save all the things? <laughs> so that's, for the most part, that's where the empowerment triangle or dynamic helped me. How about you on the other end? Uh, I've kind of had like a long road walking this thing which is interesting because uh i started walking to a healthier version of this before learning about uh the empowerment triangle um so how i was originally taught so okay no sorry what opened my eyes first was when i was taught about like spheres of influence mm-hmm so first, like, you influence yourself, and then you influence, like, the we, like, the group, but then you can, like, put yourself out and influence the others. Um, and it was taught within a metaphor for me of um, instead of being, like, a, a watcher on the stands or just a passive, like, participant in a thing, instead you are, like, the creator of the environment and the experience. Um, so very early on in my personal growth journey, when I was doing seminar work, actually, um, one of the first things that happened when I started doing the advanced stuff is like there was an active transition as you're building leadership skills to realizing that you were the creator and not just a viewer of all the experiences you were in. Mm. Um, and so I actually got there first. <laughs> mm. 
Um, which is actually, funnily enough, would be the natural tra- transition of the victim, right? Like if you, if you take if you take that corner, if you take the corners of being synonymous, right? Mm-hmm. So so the coach is like the 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 savior hero thing, character, the hero, yeah. Um, and the the villains are now just challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, then the victim is actually the creator of the experience. Yep, it's you. It's it's using empowering language to like help you sh- pivot. Um, so in a weird way, without even knowing, I didn't even know the drama triangle either. Right. This was like before all triangles. There was like <laughs> or uh, hexagons or anything right. else. <laughs> I was doing like leadership training and like self-esteem, self-worth work, and the transition was actually for everyone in the room to realize that they were the creator of the room and the experience and the space. Yeah, and what everyone else in that room was going to get out of it. We all just show up. Um. And so, so it started there, actually. Um, and so what ended up happening later when I learned both those things, because it's not like I never did anything dramatic in my life ever again. In fact, I continue to be dramatic sometimes. Um, <laughs> in the best possible way, I'm sure. Yeah. So I kind of happenstantially ended up on the coach corner as being like a calling and feeling like, like valuable going forward in my life. Mm-hmm. But but the second thing I learned was actually the challenge part. <laughs> mm. So the world isn't out to get you. So like I was internalizing all this leadership stuff, like you're the creator, you know, set the tone, space, show up. And then, uh, and then the next step when I started learning stuff was like, and not within those environments anymore. It's like been a, it's actually been building blocks in my life, which is weird. Um, then it was like, there's nothing insurmountable in life. You just need to figure out a way like under, around, through, whatever. You're just being presented with challenges. They're like testing your skills and your metal and your, um, like all that stuff. Instead of being like, you're, the world's out to get you. Instead, it's just like, you're being presented with like, let's say, let's say I'm reasonably antisocial. Then it's like, you're, you're just being presented with environments where like you figure out what you want to do in them. Right. It doesn't mean you have to turn into a party animal, but maybe you become a, good conversationalist or maybe you find like one person to talk to or maybe you don't go like you make an empowered choice to not put yourself in the position that like you're being forced into <laughs> right it's not happening to you you're deciding do i want to go do i want to talk to one person do i want to go dancing with the friends at the club maybe not who knows but it's you're creating it you're deciding it's not happening to you anymore right so then either life is like a set of experiences are a set of tests however you like to look at it um and so so then there was like some internalization of the challenge part mm-hmm. uh instead of like you know the villain the, the evildoer the, mm-hmm. the 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 uh malevolent you know force in the world the, twisting the, their mustaches in right the corner. um yeah. and then as i leveled up with leadership i just realized that like I really enjoy the coach side. So like, yeah. I was never called to it in a way where it's like, oh, I'm just going to walk into this situation. Like I kind of walk into those situations as an expert sometimes. Um, so like in tech or, or like in that type of field, I, uh, early on even, I did like being the smartest person in the room, quote unquote, mm-hmm. and, and like being able to be like, oh, I actually do this thing. Um, but it, it's weirder. With skills, I don't think it feels as much like coaching sometimes. It just, uh, especially in tech. So if you if you strip like most of the emotion out of it, mostly you're just like, it's a transfer of like answers. <laughs> transfer of answers. Which it, coaching rarely is, right? Coaching is right. ra- rarely like, um, okay, turn off your brain. I'm going to tell you exactly what to do for the next six months. And uh, okay, put your right foot first. Okay, now you're left. Now hop. Okay, now yeah. sit down. I would not do that kind of coaching. Right. So, <laughs> like rarely, like I, I, we, we take on more of like a guide mindset to coaching, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, right. If, if you don't like the religious language of like walking beside, then it's just like, you're, you're, being a guide. A, you're, you're illuminating for people. I didn't know that was a religious uh, connotation. Yeah. Cause God, oh yeah. Cause God and Christ walks beside yada, 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 yada. <laughs> oh, I'll find the actual verse. <laughs> Uh, something uh when you're talking about challenges it's always been interesting to me and not that i'm like over and above this how we play games in life and we're always like i'm on level five and it got harder and you're like yes right now i'm ready i can take on this next challenge level six yes 
level seven. I died 50 times, but I made it past. There's like no evil doer. And we subject ourselves to those kinds of situations all the time because we like overcoming the challenges. And for whatever reason in life, when it's an out here challenge, like, oh no, like where is that tenacity when it comes to life? Where is that sense of adventure, that willingness to fall on your face and go do it? It's just a challenge. It's nothing personal. Do you want me to actually answer? Sure. Because I've actually been thinking about it because like my primary hobby is gaming. Uh-huh. And I like, I will put myself through the ringer. Like I play m- mostly challenging stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like rough. <laughs> and and sometimes really makes me angry, which to you would be surprising because I'm rarely angry. <laughs> um, and here's the thing that actually kind of uh, put a little bit of a frame around like doing this podcast and like where I'm at in life and like other things is like, Games have metrics. So you there is a literal level five. Uh-huh. And you can make a set of literal things stronger or better, or you can see quite literal progress. Like uh-huh. you can get better at a level, you can get a better strategy, and you can practice, and there's a very tangible feedback loop. Whereas life's a little bit more open. Like it is arguable at this point. Other than us being able to exercise our creative spirit and get some of this on paper and get like practice doing this, mm-hmm. what is actually tangibly leveling up by us recording a podcast? Like, I don't have like a podcast stat and a and a radio voice stat and a public speaking stat, and then every day after we podcast, right? I'm like looking at them, I'm like, oh, I gained ten points there and five points there. Oh, if I gain another thirty five points, I'll be ready, you know, to talk on stage, or I'll be ready to do this thing, or you know, when I get to this level, then I can you know phone up this person, go do that interview, or like, or maybe I'll be invited to do that thing, right? There's like none of that. Uh, there is only none of that if you choose not to set those up for yourself, though. Yes, right. Okay, exactly. Like, uh, remember we've talked about when we're younger, there's like the rails. You go to high school, you get good grades, and maybe you go to college, and then you maybe get a wife or a husband or a significant other, and maybe have kids or adopt, and, you know, maybe a dog, and you buy a house. <laughs> and those are the things, right? Sure. And then eventually those things, like, peter out, because every, there's infinite, like, infinite possibilities right now, which can be super overwhelming. The only reason, in my opinion, that you couldn't level up is because you're not deciding to give yourself goals that you could reach. You're not deciding okay. to go, I'm going to keep going to, I don't know, Toastmasters and practicing until I give a TED Talk. I'm just going to beat my head on that wall till I make it to the next level. Like you can't measure that you're getting to the next level unless you decide what the next level is. Nobody's going to do it for you. You could, you could join a church or the military or be really invested in your corporation and have those kinds of levels. But I think that there's just infinite amounts of, like, we're all playing a social game. We're all playing a money game. We're all playing, like, there's all these games we're all playing all the time. How about start actually leveling up in some of them? Well, and so, but people do actually metricize, like, some of that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, uh, like, easier stuff. So I will get to the stuff we're trying to do in a second. But, like, um, if you have career tracks at work, mm-hmm. it is easier to be like, okay, and then one day, you know, I'll be a senior developer or I'll be this thing. And then my income will change this and that'll be good. Or maybe you have like certain savings goals or like, mm-hmm. which is a very metricized thing. Like yeah. uh, you're doing your finances and it's like, okay, we're putting away X number of dollars a month. That means in this amount of time, we'll do this. Like it's, that is the most trackable part of life. <laughs> right. Um, but then you get into dreams and aspirations and passions and creating things and like, all that intangibleness, like after, um, after the milestones, like you were saying, and you actually have to make the goals. That yes, like so, they're only get- intangible. My argument is they're only intangible because you're not taking time to make them tangible. Yes, and I'm trying to say that the world makes your money goals tangible for you. Kinda, yeah. Because it's like houses have a certain value. You didn't mm-hmm. set the house value, and like cars have a certain value, and lifestyle has a certain value. You can just go Google it. Mm-hmm. And then like you can weigh yourselves against those things, right? The current corporation you work for has a certain tiered ladder of potential income or certain expectations and you can measure yourself against that. But the rest mm-hmm. of life is like the wild west. I know. Isn't it great? 
yeah, it is. It's actually amazing. And it's the better part of life, in my opinion, which is Mm -hmm. why I spend so much more time like thinking about what to do with it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Because you, you set all those goals, right? Which is why like with this podcast, we're just like record for a year. Yeah. (laughs) Figure out what happens after. Let's just like do the thing. And I get a little bit of a happy, like, next level every time there's a new number. Oh, now we're in the 20s. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. So that's the uh, empowerment, empowerment dynamic. Like, you could set your own goals. You can play the game. They're just challenges. That doesn't mean they're painless. It just makes them less overwhelming. One day at a time. How am I going to move forward? Yeah, well, and it... uh and that framing, right? So two things that does that's helpful. One, feeling like you're the creator of your experience is an empowering feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you're empowered to make changes or step up or whatever you need to do. But the other thing about presenting it in that way is instead of waiting for someone to rescue you and then being resentful that they didn't, um, you can start just looking for someone to teach you new things. Right. And they can be a book or a podcast, or a person. (laughs) They could be a dead person, or your next door neighbor. Right. And that's like very different. The the kind of cheat about that other triangle, right, about like the empowerment dynamic is like, it's actually easier. It is easier. It erases a lot of the confusion. Right. Totally. Because there are a lot more coaches than there are like saviors, rescuers, you know, that are going to pull you miraculously out of your situation. Mm -hmm. Um, Uh, One of my first coaches, I was, because one of the reasons I came to her was because I kept trying to save people. And I was doing all these things and I was like their favorite person. And then all of a sudden they thought I was Satan. Like the flip happening. I'm like, why is this happening? And she says, well, because you're in the drama triangle. And as soon as the savior stops saving the person who wants to be the victim. They only have one other place to be. They only have one other place to put you. Because victim with them is not available. And if you're not filling in the hero role anymore, then you're, you're a villain. Like, oh. That makes sense, of sense to me, actually. I never thought of it that way. <laughs> yeah. So watching how those three interplay can also be interesting when you're having confusing relationship issues. Okay, so how is this person most likely? We're probably in the drama triangle. <laughs> what part, what script am I holding in their mind? Okay, how might that play out if that's where they've sorted me right here, right now? Oh, okay, maybe I should have a conversation with them. <laughs> so to flip that the other way around, the uh-huh. empowerment dynamic has very different slots for people. Mm-hmm. So like, not everyone you meet on, hmm. I'm trying to say. So I, actually, I was going to say something that actually doesn't match my worldview. Okay, I'm going to say what matches my worldview first, even if it doesn't match other people's. Um, no one can be, uh, like, generally speaking, the people you're associating yourself with probably aren't your challenges. They theoretically could be. Um, if you Everyone's like, got a dip- difficult mother-in-law. Or yeah, somewhere. Somewhere. Um, but generally speaking, your support network is both always a coach in some capacity and you you realize they're also always a creator so so you're like you're walking side by side with these also like self-realized people that likely have you know little bits and pieces to teach you and are also creators of their own experience so instead of being like oh you have to be in this here or you have to be here it's actually like a more wholehearted thing (laughs) like you're either rescuing me or you're a villain. Instead, it's like, no, we're all creators. Yeah, we're all creators, I think, is the bottom line. Um, and I'm leaning on you to, like, in this case, like, help coach with this thing. Mm-hmm. But but I wouldn't even have to. But we can, if I did, we'd still be in both spots. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, like, you can't do it the other triangle. Like, you can't right. be like, oh, you're a victim too, but you're also rescuing me. It would be, like, a very weird mind state to be in. Uh-huh. Like either, yeah, yeah. either we're commiserating together or I am <laughs> expecting you to pull me out of the muck. It'd be challenging to be like, we're commiserating together. Now, please pull me out of the muck would be like a very weird stance. Yeah. I think um, once you start adopting that creator mentality, at least for me, I've realized that sometimes I am my biggest challenge. 
And also sometimes I'm my best coach. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I'm all three because I'm creating it. And even when I am putting myself, like if I slip back into victim mentality or hero mentality, I'm creating that. Whether yeah, I want right. to own it or not, I'm creating, oh, poor me, what is happening? I've created myself as the victim. <laughs> like, ah, poop. <laughs> Might as well dig myself out of this one. You're the creator, Kimberly, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. So when you're looking at these, a lot of times in first world countries, we have kind of put um, happiness up on a shelf and said this, as long as we're happy, as long as I'm happy doing this thing, I'm not happy doing this thing. It must not be my purpose. Happy, happy, happy. What are your thoughts on happy? I can't tell if that word is dead or not. Like in in the, um, in the public zeitgeist, like, because it has died to nearly everyone I know, but I have a very select group of people that are like my friends and my like inner circle. Mm. Um, and so I think my view, I think there's a substantial number of people that still strive for happiness, like unabashedly, unironically, uh, without someone like to catch them mm. and be like, you're, you're never gonna, you're never gonna get there. That's probably not the thing. <laughs> we should reorient. It's going to be a disaster. <laughs> um, I can't remember. I think it was uh, Matthew McConaughey who said, don't aim for happiness. It's like an orgasm. If you focus on it, it's never going to come. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Perfect. <laughs> uh, I do know that. Um, so I'm not part of any particular social group, but I, I do know that with the culture changing and us being more like, say, open to our kids being, say, of anything but straight and, you know, these headed toward a nucleus family. Yeah. Our society is switching where we're being more and more open. I'm hearing a lot of parents use the word as long as they're happy. I don't care what they are as long as they're happy. So I know that the word is not completely dead because at least in that context, I've heard it a lot. Yeah. And that's like the most seductive context. Mm -hmm. And it's, oh, now I feel under-equipped. It makes me (laughs) wonder who said that. Because that is like, one of the most pervasive parent sentences mm-hmm. that I have ever heard. Like my mom said it, my dad said it, my grandparents have said it and their great grandparents have said it. And like, uh, and, and while it may be, um, it may be more loaded now, like it, it may be much more used now. Mm-hmm. I think every parent eventually gets to a state where it's like, well, as long as you're happy, mm-hmm. like how's work going? Are, are you happy? And, and it's just like, and I've heard that like a hundred bajillion times in my life. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's a very, um, I think it's a genuine feeling as mm-hmm. a parent, I think, to like, to wish happiness upon your children. Um, I just don't know what it means, I guess. I don't know how I would fulfill that prophecy if I, if I was going to prove to my mom that I was happy. um i don't know if that sentiment to to me it has a little bit more of a ring of i want to be a good person what you're doing is confusing and i don't understand okay yeah yeah. so i'm just gonna just gonna check out (laughs) that seems like a reasonable modern viewing i think i think that's pretty contemporary can you just comfort me and let me know you're happy even though what's going on over there scares me okay then i don't have to look Speaking of popular media, to sneak in here for a second, uh, Inside Out deals with that by Pixar. Oh, from a couple uh, years ago. I don't think I've ever watched that. It's uh, you would love it. It's amazing. Oh, okay. It's about um, watch Inside Out. Yeah, it's about um, personality, and it takes place like inside their head with like anger and fear and disgust and happiness and sadness. Mm -hmm. Um. And it's like actually rather decent. And uh, and now I can't spoil it. So now I'm going to step around it slightly. But like <laughs> okay. um, it actually ends really strong in not like a. Um, you walk into it thinking it's going to teach a message that's going to be completely unattainable. Mm. Like a message like um, you should always try to be happy. <laughs> uh. Uh, and it lands not there not there it actually lands um on this amazing message of like feel what you're feeling and be willing to be sad mm-hmm. and all In this stuff authentic space yeah and it actually uh from when it came out like it's had an interesting social um impact 
mm-hmm. because it's it's one of those movies that is kind of like fighting against the personality cult, uh, like modern day charisma. It's not modern day anymore, is it? Because it was like that whole thing got rolling in like the 1920s. That's fine. <laughs> Just um, a century ago. But but like the whole the whole like. <laughs> Be happy, like that that whole personal growth movement. Mm-hmm. Just like be happy, be happy, be happy. Um, the How? Whole How do I do that? How do I just pretend I'm happy? Will people right. judge me if I'm not happy? Will it be like going to one of those heal me ceremonies in those very rambunctious churches and not believing <laughs> enough, and so you leave still sick? So you just everybody pretends that we're doing the thing, like the emperor's new clothes. Is that what happy has become? I hope not. That's why everybody's Facebook feeds look happy. Well, because you only, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's the tyranny so, of the happy. Social media is going to be a different conversation. We'll save that for a different episode when I'm ready. Yeah. I think the, uh, the pursuit of happiness, pun intended, can be kind of two-dimensional. Sure. Like there's just so much more than being happy. How about being challenged? Challenges, there's that word again. How about like pushing yourself and falling? That doesn't feel happy, but it might get you somewhere that's, you know, going to give purpose or meaning or um, who knows? I just feel like. Well, something more like grounded. It's it's tricky because I don't think I've ever been happy two days in a row. That's (laughs) my issue. (laughs) So like. So even though I was trying to attain happiness, like I'm not having a very good track record of like just being yeah. able to capture that emotion in like its purest state for like what I would consider, like my goal would be the rest of my life. And and yet I can't even get like a track record of like a few days rolling. So. But if you were happy all the time, you wouldn't even know that you were happy because it would just be your normal. I agree. It would wash itself out. Like it's in the variance of emotion that we even understand pain versus pleasure. Well, and like, so, and getting to that point, there's a wider spectrum of like good emotion and experience, like good, sorry, good may have been a poor, like meaningful experiences Mm -hmm. that, that may not like invoke happiness but you walk away feeling like very like um like your self-worth bolstered or mm-hmm. you know f- feeling like you've made a very meaningful impact right um and so and and people like arguably want to collect those those are like yeah. things so they're also like incidentally potentially removing a bunch of stuff they actually want <laughs> right by like having too narrow of a thing um cuz like you can be happy like there there is a joyous expression of whatever Um, but if you like widen the range of like trying to create a life where you're like in that meaningful spectrum as much as possible, Mm -hmm. um, and you're like creating higher and higher quality experiences, then that to me is like, has turned into a life more worth living than stressing out about not being happy. Right. Right. I I coach a lot of people who like, my life is amazing and I'm also not happy. So then they have whatever their current struggles are. And then the guilt that they have for not being happy because their life is pretty amazing. And it just compounds and compounds and compounds. Some people take the idea that I'm a creator. Okay. So let's assume I buy into the, I'm a creator idea. Sure. Why wouldn't I just choose to be happy all the time? Yeah. They're, They're, are actually schools of thought that try to do that. Yeah, right? It's never landed with me. I guess, but I'm a sucker for like the richness of experience though. And so maybe this isn't totally like a good map to like everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are times, like, okay, sometimes I've been sad and it has sucked because I really, really didn't want to be sad at that time. So I was resisting it like crazy. But there were other times when like, I was like, resentful or angry or something and i kind of like relished the feeling like it was good it was like a very like i'm alive and uh-huh. and this is good and like man i'm real fired up about this thing like it actually helped me like find a value or something mm-hmm. like sometimes i'll read something or i'll see something and it'll like it'll just invoke this indignation or this this something that i didn't even know i had around that thing and i actually love those moments because i learn a lot about myself mm-hmm. And I'm just like, well, this is like, this is a very intense response. Mm-hmm. Um, 
this may actually really matter to me. That's cool. Let's like put it over here. Like I've found another thing that matters. Let's try to explore that more later. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I was always happy, like a lot of my life would be like very placid, I think. Um, Cause I'd never really get worked up about anything. Be it like angry or really passionate. Cause like being really passionate to me, isn't a happy emotion either. <laughs> like, cause like, that's not what happy means. Right. Right. Like, being like bewilderingly intense in the moment Mm -hmm. does not map to happiness to me at all. Like it's because I can't be bewilderingly intense forever either. (laughs) I'll like drive myself crazy or I'll like exhaust myself or there, there can actually be bad repercussions of my like intensity. Um, that people would say like, well, there is no bad repercussions of happiness. Like you can't wear yourself out for being happy in, in the perfect world of being happy. Mm-hmm. You could just be it forever. Be, be bliss. Um, yeah. I know that if you stay in an emotion for a certain amount of time, it becomes a habit. So like people who get really depressed and then they just stay there. And it just becomes like the new normal where their chemistry is. Mm. So they're always kind of, you know, sounding like Eeyore. And then if they stay there long enough, I've heard that it be- can actually become a uh, part of their personality. Mm. Like this person is simply Eeyore-ish now. That's just who they are. And I'm assuming the opposite can be true of happy. Uh, the problem I have with happy, I guess, is that it seems to come, at least our perception of it, from outside of us happiness from happenings okay like i'm happy because i bought a new car i'm happy i got a phone i'm happy my kids are healthy i'm happy 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 and we don't always have control over what's going on and so deciding how we want to respond to those things uh somebody gets cancer happy is not the the one i want to pull out of the out of the emotional bag right I don't know if you can stay upbeat for a really long time and it becomes part of your personality, but it would stand to reason if it goes one way, it can go the other, that you just are perpetually optimistic, which you tend to be. Yeah, I think if you talk to anyone who's rabbi first at a period of time, (laughs) they would say that you can definitely like present as upbeat often. Mm -hmm. Do you Um, think that happiness can also become a shield? Like, I don't have to be authentic and let people what's go- know what's going on, what the chinks in my armor are, because I can just say I'm happy and then people just accept it and walk away. Yes, that is explicitly why I do not aim to be pleasant. So I have sharp edges around my intensity and the upbeatness I have. And the, because it's like, it, 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 it might be tougher because we're like digital like this, but like I give off a lot of energy and it can be like overwhelming. <laughs> um, and so do you like, you do that indefinitely, like for hours and hours and hours. Uh, depending on the conversation. Sure. But, <laughs> but my life is, is separated. Interesting. So like, while I'm at home, I'm not like this to myself often. <laughs> like in the mirror being like, yeah, okay. I do do that sometimes. <laughs> like not like all the time. You're a cool dude. Right. I do that sometimes. <laughs> when I'm in a really good mood. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't feel. So my impression of people who are like pleasant and happy all the time. And, and I don't mean this is like a shot towards people that are like, just like happy when you see them. Um, but like, I'm not sure if it's much above like the, cause I used to be pleasant when I was like mostly numbed out for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I was on the, the positive side of the Eeyore side of the numbed out thing. <laughs> right. So you could either be like a little bit down and I was like a little bit up mm-hmm. um, often. Uh, but now I'm like, I present like really up. Because I, because I like to raise other people's waterline and their energy is just something I like to do like every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing about that is that um, like my chest right now, it's a little bit tight because I'm, I'm, I'm like taking some risks and it's, this isn't comfortable, comfortable for me. This isn't a numbed out feeling. Um, like I have to be at least reasonably present 
<laughs> be like this. Uh-huh. And so like, I, there's some like self-consciousness and like battling with some gremlins and like stuff all the time, all the time. Um, and I wouldn't characterize that as a happy state of mind mm-hmm. um, because I am in some ways, this thing that I'm constantly doing that I'm trying to be here um, in my personal life and at work and everywhere else um, is a personal challenge to myself. Right. So like I'm stepping out to do this. Um, and so, yeah, it can be, I don't know. So I did create a personality around this and I've done it for enough years now that like, this is just how I interact with people. Mm-hmm. Um, probably because, so I guess inside baseball, I don't think I've ever tried to explain this. Um, <laughs> if a social interaction is going to be awkward, I would rather it be awkward because of how positive and how fired up I'm trying to make the other person. Mm, that makes sense. So it is a defense mechanism in that like conversation is tricky. <laughs> and like, we're going to be- just blast them over with my enthusiasm. Yeah. Like we're going to be foolish anyway. And I'm probably going to make mistakes. And it's probably gonna be a little bit awkward. And like all this self-consciousness I have around meeting new people and like holding conversations. Whereas mm-hmm. like, at least if I hold conversations like this, then like I, I guess it's a control thing kind of like I can control some of the waterline. Mm. Um, and so it's like, you know, this style goes to a hundred. I'm going to like keep us at a minimum of like 25. Mm-hmm. Like we can't really go below it and we're definitely not going to go into the negatives. Like I can set a certain water temperature. I can set a certain thing. Um, now, never maybe strong language, like anything can happen, but. 25 it, degrees Celsius or Fahrenheit? Uh, Fahrenheit's used to be freezing, wouldn't you? I know you said 25 and I went, that's really chilly. And then you said a hundred and I went, oh, maybe he's talking about boiling. Yeah. Okay. 25. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm a Canadian, yes. Lester. I don't Doing think in the weird numbers. Oh, numbers yeah, right. That work by work. tens and are super fucking logical. Like, what's your problem? Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Um, when I, my husband says that I turn on a person that I'm not normally in those situations because I think I want to control them. That's why I ask. So I become almost like I increase my gravity. Okay. What does that I'm mean? I'm going to be here and I'm going to be uncomfortable. I am going to be the class clown du jour and we're all going to laugh our asses off and I'm going to go home with a vulnerability hangover for a day. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> all in. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. I think it's the same though. Like that control thing. It, uh, I've told you the sand up before. It's probably even a recording, but like, um, so dating stresses me out like crazy and also doing that thing where you're the class clown. Mm-hmm allows me to break the ice first and be foolish first so I can set the tone of what is failure and what isn't because people are walking in being like I'm gonna look stupid and then this is gonna be the worst thing ever and like if I can just be like hi I'm feeling incredibly nervous and so I'm gonna be a little bit over intense to the beginning but I'll probably mellow then Uh they can be then they can just be like that was super weird and I'm like great like I would I would prefer to be the weird one and take the hit for the other person uh-huh. you're creating um, your experience yes you're nailing so, it <laughs> uh and and but it's all about control right it's just like mm-hmm. it's it's interesting because we were talking about uh like handful of episodes ago now but when we were talking about oh um boundaries mm-hmm. um so like in boundaries conflicts I'm like avoidant and, you know, compliant mostly. Mm -hmm. Um, But the persona I've built around the social Dan that is the like impactor, that is the creator, um, has control aspects, which makes sense to me because I'm like walking into environments where it's like, hey, you know, if I can just raise the, the water temperature here a few degrees you know, maybe some of these people like loosen up a bit so that they can like get out of a ride or like think a little bit more open or like do this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I guess I've just always started, not always, I I guess I'm just starting to see the world like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so 
I, I guess I do have control. I never really thought of it that way. But like, yeah, that that is a very like controlly thing to do. I think I'm doing it from a good place, like with a good heart, but it's still like, we're going to be this temperature. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I think it comes with, I mean, it's always a skill, right? Like you could be over controlling, under controlling, yeah. right amount of controlling. But if you're assuming that you're a creator, then you have to assume control over at a minimum yourself. Like actually, that's the only thing you can assume control over is yourself. And then you're also taking responsibility. So I'm going to be the class clown. I'm going to do this thing. And I'm going to take responsibility for all the mistakes I make along the way. That'll be fun. Let's do that. So I don't think control in this instance is bad because you're not controlling others because you can't force them to come with you. It's true. They could walk away. I've had people go, you're a little too much and kind of like, you know, backed up or um, one of my daughters is very sensitive to swearing. And, you know, somebody farts at the table. And if we notice it, she's like, guys, guys, let's, what are we doing? <laughs> Some people are just really sensitive to things that I think are hilarious. And so, okay, you know, I, I can only control me and I'm going to show up as a very loud version of me. And if people walk away, that's okay. That's just a challenge. Like, what do I want to think about that? Somebody walked away. Does that mean I'm a bad person? Do I need to paint myself as a victim? Do I need to paint them as a villain? What do I need to do? Are they a victim? Did I victimize them? Or can I just assume that they're creating their own experience? And for them, that's walking away. Oh, that's, that's kind of nice. <laughs> that exact example uh-huh. is a perfect reason, I think, why it may be misguided to try to always center yourself back to happiness. Agree. I think it'd be very challenging for you to have an introspective moment when someone walked away. Mm-hmm. and be like what part of that was their experience what part of that was my experience you know is there anything that i can do better like what part of that am i proud of like where did i land what can i learn mm-hmm. is way different than being like oh i'm starting to feel some negative emotions okay gotta be happy you're happy you're happy you're happy you're happy you're happy <laughs> like it's it's challenging yeah. to be introspective when like you're mostly playing like um a little bit of like emotional um massaging mm-hmm I can really only do like one or the other. (laughs) I can like numb out into like a little bit Eeyore or a little bit happy emotion, or I can be introspective and like start owning stuff. Cause owning isn't really comfortable. (laughs) There's nothing, not nothing happy about being like, Oh shit. I just told Kimberly that like, this is what I do to break ice. And then I did it in this date and I came off way too strong because I was too excited. (laughs) I'm such an asshole. (laughs) I think it can. I don't think happiness. It's very, um, I don't know. It's satisfying to me to not feel like whether it's happiness or introspection or whatever, that it's out there. And I used to, if somebody walked away, if the end goal is happiness, if that's the pass fail, then I would freak out that I affected their happiness. Oh, sure. Sure. Now, now I'm like, Oh, Oh, you're a horrible person, Kimberly. You're not saving everyone again. There you go. So yeah, I agree that happiness is um, not that it's bad. I just don't think it's a great goal. I agree. Make a new one. It's, <laughs> it's tough. Like, okay, so I'm imagining a listener who's now got some ridiculous crash course because we just went over like four topics. Um, so this Our is, happiness is not their responsibility. <laughs> this, this would be a little bit more of an advanced podcast. because we. Uh-huh. But I think, it, okay. This was a podcast parkour episode. Yeah. I guess I'm trying to say why we wanted to do the two of these together is because they interplay well. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I'm realizing, the more I say the word happy. So this is also like a Dan thing. So take what I'm, take how I'm articulating this with a grain of salt, but like the heart of it is probably maps to everyone. Um, Eventually words that become no longer useful to me kind of lose their color. Or like lose their weight. Yeah, like I love language, right? Um, But just so happened like in the last couple of years, and I still say happy. You caught me like, why we want to talk about this is because you did a little bit of like friendly course correction on me after last podcast. (laughs) Um, But the truth of the matter is, even when I said it in that moment, and even when I've been saying it through this, the word almost doesn't mean anything to me anymore. (laughs) Mm, It's a space filler. Yeah, like it's starting to, and I don't want to use a phrase like, dead language and get this all complicated or whatever i I literally just mean like there are so many better ways that i can articulate who i'm trying to become or what i'm trying to do 
than, than by striving towards happiness. Because when I say that, I'm not even sure I can goal set around that. I'm not even sure I can plan with you. I'm not even sure me and you can create a vision where you and I are more happy with this project or some future project. Right, right. Right? Like it's it's becoming a word where like where I'm at, where I think we're at, where the pe- some of the people around me are at, it doesn't have enough value to be part of our discussions anymore because it's not helping us like project where we're going or like clear new territory or anything. It doesn't like mean anything. It's not necessarily holding us back. It's just like, it's just one more thing that like we have to kind of clutter through. Got it. Like, what did you mean by happiness? Oh, well, I meant that like, when I get home from work, I feel like reasonably fulfilled and content that like my skills are being used for a job well done. It's like, okay, well, that's like not (laughs) what I thought you said, Uh right? Okay, so now let's work on like trying to get you into a job or like shift your position so that you feel more fulfilled and that you're like having a meaningful impact with what you do with your career. And it's like, okay, like, would that have come from just being like, I just want to be happy. Why is working making me so sad? And it's just like. (laughs) Um, One of the tools I give to my clients, we can actually post this. It's everywhere on the internet. Um, To help them parse out their emotions. It's called the feeling wheel. And it starts with seven. Happy, surprised, bad, fearful, angry, disgusted, sad. And then happy, the next circle out, is many more emotions. So maybe our issue isn't with happiness itself. It's that it's just not specific enough. So happiness parses out into playful, content, interested, proud, accepted, powerful, peaceful, trusting, and optimistic. And then each one of those split out into another two. So when you're saying happy, you're saying a good emotion of some kind. Are you experiencing a good emotion of some <laughs> kind? <laughs> Is that your goal to experience a good emotion of some kind? Maybe. That <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. You're making a lot of sense, right? That's actually amazing. Cause I think is it possible that like people have a, a little bit more of a nuanced understanding of like negative emotions? Like people rarely say, um, you know. I just want to live a life where I'm not sad. Mm-hmm. Like they, they usually go to at least that second tier. Like they have yeah. goals around second tier negative emotions where it's like, I'm never going to be resentful again. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to be like uh, overwhelmed again or like whatever, at least they're goal setting around like, and, and that second tier is where things get like a little bit more tangible. Like goal setting. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I don't want to, it's not, I don't want to feel sad. I don't want to feel guilty ever again. I don't want to feel vulnerable right. and anymore. And that like is a little bit more helpful, right? You can have a conversation about that. You can, you can try to restart your life. But when yeah. you go down to that first tier, any first tier emotion, mm-hmm. um, it's just too, that's, yeah, 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 yeah. That's just too <laughs> vague. It's literally vague. It's like saying, how are you? Fine. Okay. And you just keep going. It's not a real conversation. It's just following the social etiquette and filling the space. So maybe like high leverage for anyone listening and for talking about this in the future is like just helping people level up emotional intelligence. Maybe. And also if they're a creator and we talked about, okay, so there's challenges, you have to set goals. Happiness isn't a tangible goal. You're never going to be happy, but maybe you can reach curious or respected or thankful. Those ones, if for your next level that you're going to go and challenge in life as you create your life, Happiness is just dead. <laughs> well, like uh the one where happiness died. <laughs> Noted. Uh yeah, because like we already do that. Mm-hmm. So you have like um personal growth strategies around having like a gratefulness journal. Mm-hmm. So and I and I guess that's like teachers and mentors and people trying to train people to set life goals and philosophies around second and third tier emotions. Mm-hmm. Whereas the public, and I don't mean like the non-growing sheep of the world. <laughs> the sheeple. Oh wait, that's, that's me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and me too. Uh, I mean, just like for whatever reason, the public civilized consciousness really likes this first tier emotion, like as a concept. Like it's something to shoot for. Like, if only we could all be happy. Is that just because it applies to everybody? 
because everybody's going to interpret it a different way. So it's a conversation about nothing. Oh, maybe. Wow. It's good. So that's why, because it's very useful in marketing to use things that are applicable to everybody. Happiness is like a fucking fortune cookie. <laughs> yeah. Horoscope. It's just yeah, going to yeah. apply to everybody. We're all going to get what we need from it. It's done. Buy our product. You'll be happy. And so, dear listener, it's not <laughs> that I wouldn't recommend that you don't strive for happiness. I recommend you strive for as many specific types of joy and <laughs> whatever respect and appreciation and admiration and thankfulness and all the other cool rad things all the things as you want see you stuck with us and now it's perfect <laughs> that is actually perfect this episode's awesome <laughs> so we good yeah i think we intertwined those two concepts well we this did is... them perfectly for today <laughs> thank goodness <laughs> So it's exactly where we are in our journey. It's fabulous. <laughs> Ta-da. Ta-da. So until next week. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>